You are listening to AACTE Presents, Preparing and Sustaining School Principals, a podcast designed to shine a light on the unsung heroes of schools and universities, our principals, and the people that make them. As the leading voice in educator preparation, we'll have candid conversations with researchers, faculty, practitioners, and scholars about what makes an effective PK-12 school leader and how to prepare them. In our last episode, we examined the effects of crisis management on principal retention and how the breadth and depth of crises that principals have to manage on a regular basis are contributing factors to the looming exodus of educational leaders. In today's episode, we discuss the need for support between principals and institutional leaders to ensure retention, growth, and the general well-being of new leaders. This discussion revolves around improving the support system for new administrators and fostering better collaboration between universities and school districts to enhance the preparation and retention of school leaders. Our guests provide findings from their own institute at Colorado State University as a case study for the school leadership field. My name is Wendy Barnes. I work at Colorado State University preparing future principals as well. And together with Donna Kuhner and a couple other colleagues, we developed a school leadership institute to really try to tackle this problem of principal retention in the first few years on the job. The School Leadership Institute was created in response to the struggles experienced by graduates from the Principal Preparation Program. The Institute aims to provide support, mentorship, networking, and professional development to new administrators during their first few years in the field. But how did the need for such an institute come to be? First, let's explore some of the challenges faced by recent graduates from the Principal Retention Program. My name is Dan Signaler, and I've been an educator for a while. Started as an elementary school teacher and became an elementary school principal for about 10 years there and then seven years as a superintendent. I have either been a principal or have been taking care of principals for a while and it's very near and dear to my heart. Because of an increased need for effective crisis management, instructional leaders are in more need of support than ever. Dan breaks down his definition of an instructional leader. I use instructional leaders as a broad term, so let me define that there first, right? This could be building principles, assistant principals, some of our newer leaders that might be at a department level, but primarily principals. These institutional leaders oftentimes carry the weight of their school districts in moments of need. However, their commitment to leadership and community guidance can be at the expense of their own well-being. It's such a difficult time. What we were finding is that so many of these instructional leaders and at the sense of isolation You've never been in a job where you work with more people on a daily basis and that yet you still feel so isolated and alone. People don't understand the pressures and the stresses you're under, um, the many complexities of the role, not feeling like they have enough time. Self-care is a significant issue in this across all groups is just, can I keep doing this? Can I keep being under this pressure and have these types of realities day in and day out? And can I keep doing this? And what's it doing to me? And what's it doing to my family? Those are huge. And did they have the skill sets for the complexity of the issues they were dealing with? I would say those were some of the two biggest that continue to come out in the research. 
Dan conducted research on principal retention pre-COVID, emphasizing issues like isolation, stress, complexity of the role, and the struggle to maintain work-life balance. The research suggests that these challenges were significant even before the pandemic. The research was, how do we support and sustain new instructional leaders into our systems? Because there are some significant trends in the United States with regards to attrition, turnover, and the negative impact that has on our schools and our systems. So I anticipate that the things that I was looking at, it's even a much more difficult time to be an instructional leader. Complexity, being overwhelmed, and feeling really isolated. When you compare the quality of life for an educator in these leadership positions compared to the general populace, it's astounding. And the number of red flags that they had that this study identified of their participants, they were giving them a red flag that they had some significant trauma or need for support. It was eye-opening. And again, that was pre-COVID. So already this was a skewed environment to be working and living in when you're talking about the pressures and stresses that are on people. Dr. Donna Kuhner is a professor in the School of Education at Colorado State University and teaches principal preparation students. She primarily works with graduate students. I worked with Dan on his research. We wanted to share some of the voices of the actual principals that participated in the study that Dan completed and some of the principals that we're hearing. And one of them says, I don't know if we were designed as humans to be at this level of intensity for that long every day. There are very few minutes of just sitting and breathing. It's just so intense most of the time. Participants expressed the need for real projects, experiences, and interactions with current instructional leaders to better prepare for the challenges they will face in their roles. What they really hooked into was real projects and experiences that they knew that they were going to be doing out in the field. So many of them referred to experiences where they had a chance to prepare for a board meeting and then actually present material to a board or preparing schedules or doing some things that they knew that they were actually going to be doing that was preparing them and refining them and then getting feedback on that. So that was a big one. One of the biggest points that these participants made was that this program really needed to help them shape and identify who they were as leaders to come out and say, this is who I am as an instructional leader. And this is what I would like to do. It identified their why. And in the research, when you see where some of these folks are really struggling with, do I want to stay in education? It's because they've lost that sense of why. I can't help but think about the reasons why we do things like a fire drill or the highly controversial now lockdown drill. We do those to help build that muscle memory, right? Every year in our principal licensure program, we have a school, a student resource officer who comes in and talks to our students about doing like tabletop discussions on dealing with different potential crises that might come up. They practice things all the time to build your muscle memory so that when it actually happens and your endorphins kick in and everything just kind of floods your body, your body just naturally does what it's trained to do. Students were saying it was those authentic recreations of scenarios that they may find themselves in as principals that they found to be 
very helpful because what are we doing when we're doing that? We're starting to build that muscle memory so that your reactions can be appropriate reactions when you're in a time of intense stress. They also talked about oftentimes when they're in a crisis, the time it's taking and the energy to address that issue or that crisis. So to have something they've already practiced that's kind of on their desktop or that they've got saved that they can pull up and modify or change to that current environment without having to start from scratch. Support for educational leaders, such as just-in-time training, targeted professional development, and mentorship is vital to their success, especially in the early years of their career. The idea of providing smaller, focused professional development opportunities and mentorship that goes beyond the evaluation dynamic is emphasized. One of the other things that we hear come up very often is a need for mentorship when they're in the principal seat. Because here's what typically happens, right? You get your first job as a principal and you're raring to go and you get assigned a mentor. And that mentor will typically be one of a few people. It'll be another principal in the district, if you're in a larger district, who you're trying to form some good relationships with and impress. Or it could be your new boss or someone from HR. In all of those roles, there's this feeling of evaluation and this feeling of needing to impress that mentor that we didn't see happen when teachers were assigned mentors. When a teacher is assigned a mentor, they are assigned to another teacher who's living and walking in the same life as that teacher is. And there's not a need, not that same need to impress that person. So it's really easy for a teacher to talk to another teacher and be like, oh my gosh, this one student is making me crazy or, oh, I'm not getting my papers graded. How do you get all of your papers graded? When we get to the role of the principal, however, and they're assigned a mentor, there's a different level of need to impress there. And all of a sudden, what we're finding with our principals is they don't feel like they can talk to their district assigned mentor and say, oh my gosh, I hid in my office to avoid a parent who I saw walking by the window because I just didn't have the energy to meet with that parent. Those kind of authentic conversations we have found aren't happening at the principal rank with their mentors who are assigned to them in the first couple of years on the job. That coaching piece is so important because you can't share this to someone else in your district a lot of times. This quote says, you make a decision, the ripple effect goes in a direction you didn't think it was going to go, and now you're circling back around. I've lived so much of my life trying to be perfect and not make mistakes. And if you're taking risks and you're taking leaps, then sometimes mistakes are going to happen. And I think so much of our really strong principal preparation students that go into roles almost immediately out of their preparation programs, they have lived their life like that, trying to be perfect, trying not to make mistakes. And they're going into a role that that is definitely going to happen. Mistakes are going to happen. And they need to be able to talk to it about with someone that doesn't have that role of evaluation. Dan outlines four levels of support needed for educational leaders. Colleagues in similar positions for emotional support, mentors for guidance on the job, 
coaches for ongoing professional development and accountability, and district-level support from supervisors and superintendents. The first is they need colleagues in light positions. They need to have somebody that shows up with the, the mug of hot chocolate and the cookie when they've had a bad day that can go commiserate after work about everything. They need that support system. That's vital. It's, it's more important than I think we give it credit. The second is they need what I called a mentor. And so it's a district mentor who's assigned. It's, it's a veteran. It's somebody that's got experience that can say, okay, we're going to go to this budgeting meeting. Here's how the process goes. This is what you should prepare. This is how you do stuff. They teach them the ropes of being the principal. Then there's a coach. And this, I think, speaks to what you're talking to, Wendy, is that districts that can hire and districts that will put a coach in that is experienced, that can come in alongside, that is outside of the chain of command in the evaluation process, but who they can bear their souls to, that they can say, here's what I'm struggling with. Here's what I'm making mistakes with. Here's what I'm not managing well. How do I do this? And that person is an accountability partner to them that is making sure that self-care is taking place, that's making sure that they're following through on commitments that they make. Because we all know we have the best of intentions, but when you get back into the forest, you can only see the trees and not the forest, right? The fourth level is they need to have district support. They need to have a supervisor like a superintendent who's saying, hey, Wendy, it's vital. In fact, it's not vital. It is mandatory that you are taking care of yourself. And here's some things that we're going to be doing. But then that superintendent has to walk the walk. Because what we see sometimes in these systems is that superintendent will be like, yeah, you guys need to take care of yourself. You need to do this and this. And then they don't do it themselves. So is that superintendent showing and proving that they too are taking care of themselves so that it gives that permission for the educational leader to do the same. Dr. Barnes recalls a focus group participant expressing the importance of self-care and kindness. They said the following. I couldn't live without giving myself grace and forgiveness. Year one, I didn't do that. I was too hard on myself and no one else was giving it to me. So finally I said, I am not going to last if I don't give myself some grace or I can't get it all done. You can't figure it all out right away. And so that is that, you know, learning to be gentle on yourself, learning to be kind to yourself. And I think all of the other pieces that you talked about, having that colleague there with a warm cup of coffee, having that mentor there that's showing you the ropes, having that coach there who you're bearing your soul to, they're all helping teach that new administrator how to give themselves grace. As stress among recent graduates reached a boiling point, one summer in particular served as the catalyst for the School Leadership Institute. Day after day, I was getting calls from our graduates, our graduates from our principal prep program who had gone out into the principalship and they were in their first, second or third year in the position and they were dying in their boots. Like They would call me and just bare their souls and say, I'm really struggling in this job. I don't know if I can continue to make it. And it's things like my health is suffering. I've gained the freshman 15 plus some, or I've lost the freshman 15 plus some, or I find that I'm drinking way too much at night just as a coping mechanism, or my marriage is on the rocks, or 
I'm just not taking care of myself and my needs, or I can't handle the stresses. And that just this one summer, it was more heavy than it typically was. Dr. Barnes goes on to explain the need for extra leadership support among students in the principal prep program. Then I came into our principal prep classes and I sat down with my colleagues, Donna, and another one, George, and I was like, what are we doing? We've got to change something here because we're working hard to prepare these amazing people to go out into a job that is just kind of eating them alive. And either I can't continue to do principal prep because I ethically can't prepare the people I grow to love to turn them out to the wolves, or we need to do something different to support them when they get into the field. Well, about that time, we saw a video of an adult summer camp, and we all looked at each other and we were like this. If we could do an adult summer camp with our graduates after they get into the profession and work on some kind of an institute that could help them during those first few years of struggle, maybe that would make the difference. So out of that, the School Leadership Institute was born. Dr. Barnes breaks down the details for the retreat and the four steps they took to help support their former students towards a successful start in their careers as leaders. We focused on one, networking, building a community with other people who are in the same position, who are not necessarily in their same district or their same school, but are living the same life. Two, we redeveloped some strong mentoring and coaching bonds with people they already had trusted relationships with. These people were all graduates of our program and we already had a high degree of trust with them. We had been their coaches during their internships, but then had let them go off to the district. So we pulled our mentorship back in to kind of do some wraparound support with them. Three, we did some professional development. We picked a book for each one and dove in and did a book study on some some professional development work, both to re-energize them and to give them something they could take back to their building. And then four, we did some, some mental health and some wellness work. We went out for morning runs or morning walks or fishing trips, or we got ourselves out there and we got active and started talking about how do we reconnect with our own needs. It was an opportunity to step out of the craziness and really gather perspective again about what they're doing, what they need to do, where they're headed. It's kind of what I call a mountaintop moments where you have those mountaintop moments where you see clearly all around you and for them to feel the support and the care that they felt to leave feeling like they weren't alone was huge. As they reflect on the School Leadership Institute retreat and the positive impact it had on former students, Dr. Barnes, Dr. Cooner, and Dan offer advice for principal preparation faculty at universities. A university structure and bureaucracy and a school district, even though we work so closely with each other, they exist in two different worlds. And I think we have to somehow blur the lines between when the university lets go of a group of students and when a school district takes over. And that together we need to work in that first three years or longer to really make that transition stronger between the two. And I think that it shouldn't be such an abrupt end 
to the university's involvement and the school districts taking over? I remember as a new elementary school teacher, I was working in the same town where I had received my degree. And the school district contracted with people that I had had as professors in my degree to come back and do professional development. And I remember thinking, oh, that's what they meant. Because now I was doing the work and it unlocked a whole nother level of learning from these teachers that I had. And something that, that I had come away with was, is there a way that universities could do smaller, targeted professional development opportunities that they might walk away with a little bit of university credit, but it's not a full three-course offering? So instead of it being, for example, like a, a law class, what about special education, something around special education that so many of our principals right now are struggling with? Or instead of a whole course on evaluation How about just in the spring offering or pre-spring offering something around how do you non-renew? How do you go through that process? What are some steps? So something that's targeted, it's point of need partnership with universities. We do need to stop thinking about the university and the school district as being completely separate entities. And we need to talk about what we often talk about in our group as the third space. Like, where do we join together in this third space where we're all together? We're all in it together and we're all working together with a common mission, a common divine purpose and set of goals. And what can each separate entity bring to this newly created third space? where we're all working collaboratively. The increased need for crisis management in the school system has taken a toll on instructional leaders, especially post-COVID. The pressures of being perfect while coping with burnout, stress, and isolation creates a challenge for a lot of instructional leaders to make it past their first few years post-grad. Now, more than ever, it's important to have leaders like Dr. Wendy Barnes, Dr. Donna Kuhner, and Dan Siegmiller creating spaces for new leaders to feel supported. Initiatives like the School Leadership Institute are key to principal retention that goes beyond the standard goals of mentorship. It allows new leaders to connect with each other, learn from one another, and establish a foundation of self-care as they navigate their leadership journeys. Thanks for listening to AACTE Presents, Preparing and Sustaining School Principles. Special thanks to our guests today. For more information, check us out at aacte.org and follow us on social media at at aacte.